0: We're having technical difficulties. Are you surprised? I think we're going. Let me make sure this is going.
1: That's going. That's going. Should we try this again on yeah. the video?
0: It's just creaking what around. What
1: is happening?
0: Okay. Here we go. But real
1: real. That Let's Let's this a low closer.
0: No, do we have to do Better? anything? And my head is covering up that piece of tape. All right. We did cover up that piece of tape. <laughs> you didn't
1: see anything. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave.
0: I'm glad you got that reference. Nobody <laughs> ever does. And it's one of my favorites. Really? Favorite. That
1: is a really good That's movie. It's
0: probably the only thing I remember from that movie.
1: But <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's we're pretty good. talking about Madagascar.
1: I wasn't entirely sure that I would love Madagascar when it came out, but... I really dug it and uh, had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I like. Yeah, I uh, laughed. I cried. Can it moved I? Me. Can I state a state of fact that David Schwimmer plays the same character no matter who he plays? Well, yes. Even Which if is he's true an animated giraffe.
1: In, in, in all honesty, other than Tom Cavanaugh, who's pretty impressive, but yeah. It's Wait, just I don't know
0: same. who Tom Cavanaugh is.
1: Uh, you wouldn't.
0: And the name sounds familiar. He.
1: Well, I think he, at one point he was in Scrubs, I believe, which I never really watched. He was the lead character in Ed. He oh, we talked about him before. Harrison Wells on Flash.
0: He was on. He a, plays like
1: fifteen different versions versions of Harrison Wells on Flash of himself, different versions of the same character, and he plays each of them differently. He
0: was in a Hallmark movie. That's how I know him.
1: Ah. Uh, Just one, several years ago. Okay.
0: It was a Karen Karen Kingsbury. Nice. Welcome. You notice how we start all of our podcasts lately with like a, a movie or pop culture theme. I'm for it. I'm here for it.
1: Well, that was how we started Sunday, talking about.
0: And I missed it.
1: Talking about TV shows and how I will end up staying late, uh, up up late at night because of the ridiculous cliffhangers in these. DC, but they're shows. they're not really
0: cliffhangers when it's on like the CW because you know like they're not <laughs> going to kill off like a main character. Or well, whatever. they keep
1: killing off main characters. is oh, well. the problem. <laughs> so they they I stand corrected. They kill them off and then they come back for, as a clone or from some other thing. So they the the story keeps moving along, but it just like ends. I'm like ah, you can't stop there. So now I got to watch it again, which is exactly how. The Book of Acts ends. When we get mm-hmm. to the end of Chapter 28, it's like, you know, abrupt stop, hit the brakes. All of a sudden, we, you know, your bumper car runs into the wall, and it's like, uh, wait, the the coin just ran out on my video game, and I'm still in the middle of things, right? So I just saw Arcade at the Mall yesterday, so video games were on my mind. Giant Pac-Man screen, bigger than screen.
0: I can't iPad, play Pac-Man. So. It gives me anxiety.
1: It's the probably the last video game I ever played worth anything, but... <clears throat> Not a, not a gamer. But anyhow, because um, I'm so old, anyhow. Uh,
0: you said it.
1: Well, video games came out when I was a kid, so I'm an OG. when it comes I was to a that.
0: Mario girl. Like, I was Nintendo through and through. I yeah. never messed with PlayStation or whatever. <laughs> I, got, I got an Xbox right after college because I got, <laughs> I got really into uh, Call of Duty. <laughs> I just loved like playing online with people and killing other people. (laughs) Probably not good for this podcast. We can set up counseling later. It was (laughs) cathartic in a weird way. (laughs) I loved it. I didn't talk to anybody or like do the weird headset thing. I just liked, you know, Pretending it's, I was cool.
1: It's very possible that we probably, you know, with the sermon called cliffhanger, we probably should have called the podcast sidetracked because we're really yes, good at we that. are. I'm that's sorry. one of our strengths. No more call of duty. No, York. I think I, I wasn't good I, at I'm it. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that sidetracked. I us. But wasn't anyway, good at it. As we're you know working through this, that's what happens with the book, uh, with the book of Acts. When We get to the end of chapter 28. Paul gets to Rome, and then that's it. And and, and you're this, flipping
0: the page, going, "Wait, what? Right.
1: The, so what happened here? And so, it, uh." You know, he's shipwrecked in, in 27. They wash up on the island of Malta. They find hospitality from uh, from the native islanders there. Uh, whatever uh, you know, whatever that means. But they're referred to in older translations as barbarians. In other words, they they don't uh, speak Greek. Not that they're savages per se, but they they don't speak Greek. Um, so the the island's chief official uh, Publius puts them up, all 276 of them apparently, in his estate, takes care of them for a few days in That's the meantime. That's more than
0: some cheese and crackers. You gotta, you're going to
1: have to break into the Schwann's frozen pizza <laughs> for that. But anyway, uh, his, his father is uh, very sick with a fever. Uh, Paul prays and lays hands on him and, and heals him. Of course, word spreads. So in the three days that they're there, Everybody that's sick on the island is coming and getting getting healed, and in the process of all this, oh, and you know, not to miss out on the fact that Paul gets bitten by a poisonous snake while he's putting wood on the fire, so they all think he's a murderer, and and Karma, the goddess justice, is going to to strike him down, even though he survived the shipwreck. He shakes the snake off into the fire unharmed, and they're like, oh, he's not a murderer, he's a god, you know, and so you got this whole crazy dynamic all happening. Bam, right in this chapter. So you're, you're it's, it's like the chapter is this fast-paced climax, and then we're, we're, it's like any f- we're stopping.
0: It's like any season finale of a TV show. They it, try to exactly, cram yeah. in as much excitement as possible and then leave you want, knowing, not knowing what happens next.
1: Right, and so we get left with Did you guys Paul, know that
0: started in the Bible?
1: <laughs> with Paul in Rome on house arrest. So he's, he's got a guard there with him um, to, to keep him you know, incarcerated, uh, but he has a, a pretty significant amount of freedom. He's able to bring people in and and meet with them, and so he basically preaches the preaches the gospel unhindered for two years while he's under house arrest. But then what? What happens after two years? What you know? So clearly that happened, and then they moved on because Luke tells us the end of that. Mm-hmm. But then there's. There's nothing more. There's no next step. It doesn't end with Paul's death. It doesn't end with his exoneration. It just so ends. He's on
0: house arrest. Yeah. Bye.
1: Preaching, great. Everything's awesome. Romans 1. <laughs> uh, what? What happened here? So what we're left to conclude from Luke's account, in, in light of what he says throughout, and we'll see this next week a little bit, in light of what he says throughout this uh, this historical narrative of the early church, uh, and especially leaning on what he says at the beginning uh, of, uh, the, of Acts chapter 1 in, in verse 8, as Jesus is ascending to heaven, he tells the disciples, stay here, you'll receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the surrounding area, and then uh, to the ends of the earth. And so we see that playing out in the book of Acts, and what we're left to conclude, and it seems to be very evident that he wants us to conclude this, um, that, that's my speculation, but I, I think it's a reasonable inference, and I think it would be hard not to infer that, uh, is that Luke wants his reader to recognize that as the church today, we are currently writing Acts 29. We mm. are the next chapter. So what happens after Paul? Paul isn't really... Central to the story. And this is one of the things that I think uh, is a big difference between the development of the church in history and what we saw, um, particularly as it developed into what we now would recognize as, as Roman Catholicism uh, over 1500 years prior to the Reformation, where things became really focused on persons, became really, and, and Eastern Orthodoxy is the same thing. It was all one church had all these divisions that went on, largely political and some theological. But as you're going through all of these different things, uh, there became a real focus on the persons. And so the... Uh, Meaning what? The, the, the focus of church authority and of, even of doctrine would hold to, you know, Peter was at this church. Therefore, we have oh, this apostolic okay. authority. Paul was at this church, and and so Rome at one point would claim the bishop of Rome would claim the authority of both Peter and Paul, and then eventually kind of well, faded fade away. From <laughs> she was singing, <laughs> uh, but there are lots of other um, there are lots of other you know focuses where we'll sur- or foci if you will, uh, as we will see this uh, the the elevation or the veneration of various saints, Mary herself, uh, where we we get. You know, people be familiar with like praying to St. Christopher. Oh, right. Or I went to like a that.
0: Catholic college and I would, you know, hear my friends or whatever, they, they go, Oh, I have a big test on Monday. I have to pray to so right. and so. I'm like, Well, you have to pray who? And they, they're, they're the saint of right. getting A's. And or so something. we would we see
1: all of this focus on, on the person. And, and the book of Acts, one of the things that I think is, I don't know if it's unique about it, but it's a characteristic of it, is that the story keeps moving. The, the book of Acts is about the story, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church. So, Christ's continued activity through the person of the Holy Spirit in the church. As it begins, uh, it, uh, Luke, as he's writing it, says, You know, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to say in my previous letter. Okay, so he began, it doesn't say he stopped. Then we see Jesus here, and he ascends into heaven. He says, I'm going to send. Send uh, the Holy Spirit, the Helper. It's good that I leave, he'd said previously. It's good that I leave because if I don't leave, the Spirit doesn't come. If I'm here, then the person of the Son is in one place at any given time, whereas the Spirit is unbound, unlimited by the the physicality of it. And so when the Son returns to the Father and the Spirit, the Helper is given to us to dwell in believers, uh, his presence is then universal with us. So throughout the story of the book of Acts, as it unfolds, the the players, the characters, continue to change. So it starts out very focused on Peter, or heavily focused on Peter in the first half. And then the second half, it's heavily focused on Paul. But even within those narratives, those might be the center points for a lot of it, but it, it's always about Christ. It's always about the 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 emphasis of the gospel and the mission that's been given. And so because of what Christ did for us, now the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in us, which happens in in chapter 2, it changes everything. And so because that's changed everything, it's not just Peter's gospel or Paul's gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so each one of these, (laughs) I just was watching a a 1954 movie about Martin Luther this morning as I was doing some things. because that's what nerds do, I guess, of watching black and white movies while I'm eating my crackling oat bran. And, uh, that's what old. And <coughs> you know, I was eating that at 20, so was, you know, as soon as it came out, I was eating it. So, anyway, uh, during the negotiation with the princes, they, and again, this is a Hollywood version of it, but, um,
0: not a documentary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, although you know, like all those epic movies that came in the fifties and sixties, they put a lot of research in, right. trying to get it right. So anyway, they um, they show the this debate about the with the princes as uh, Melanchthon and uh, and I don't know who was with them anyway. They're going to go negotiate uh, with the church, with uh, the representatives of of Rome, Eck um, in particular. But anyhow. They're going to to negotiate this and to make sure that, you know, what you're putting forth is the the gospel of Luther. Luther's church, not the Pope's church, not Rome's church. And, and it's no, no, this it's Christ's church. This isn't about Luther or the Pope. This is about Christ. And that's the emphasis that a lot of times even today, even uh, in the the generations that followed the Reformation, we still go back to this Identification with a person or, or with a particular teaching or particular denomination. And that's the kind of thing that seems to be contrary to Luke's approach in writing this. Peter comes and goes. You got Peter and John. John is there with Peter. So it's Peter and John with the keys of the kingdom, right? We're going to talk about all that stuff. And so, you know, focused, emphasized the keys of the kingdom on Peter and John, except for John just kind of disappears from the narrative and doesn't get talked about it doesn't say what happened to John or where he went doesn't make a big deal about it he's there then he's not yeah. and Peter's there and then the narrative focuses in chapters six and seven on, on the deacons and the um, the ministry that takes place in the, in the physical caring meeting needs ministry uh, and then the martyrdom of Stephen and, and so you know, all of a sudden you shift to a total focus on, on Stephen. Well, Stephen's dead. And then you go on and you get a focus in chapter 8 on, on uh, um, Philip and the Ethiopian. And then uh, uh, Simon Magus comes, the, the whole, uh, let me buy the power of God from you kind of thing. And so Peter's back in the main of it again. And then chapter 9, Paul gets saved. And so then Paul becomes the focus of it. And you don't see much about Peter. He's there in the background. He comes up a couple of times, but, but he's really not the point. Paul keeps going, and what we find out is Paul's not really the point either. While he might be the primary mouthpiece, he's the guy that's going about doing these things, Paul de-emphasizes his own role as you look at his letters. Like, this, are you kidding me? I am not less than these other so-called super apostles, but this has never been about me. I didn't come to you to be impressive. I didn't come to try and, you know, cleverly word things so that you're impressed with my oratory skills or anything like that came so that you would see the power of God. You would experience the power of God in your lives. And his own perspective is, I don't care who's preaching it, if it's mm-hmm. the gospel. It doesn't matter if it's me or Apollos or Joe Schmo down the street. if It doesn't even matter if they're sincere. If the true gospel is being preached and people are being brought to Christ and God is being glorified, that's the point. So when we get to Acts 28, Paul, who is the center of everything in this, uh, and, and I say that deliberately and almost ironically, <clears throat> um, it, it, he's, he's the mouthpiece of God. They're on, uh, they're on the boat in chapter 27. Everything's going bad, and he tells them, you know, hey, we should dock and wait this out. They decide not to, <laughs> and they're about to get capsized. And he's like, well, guys, you should have listened to me before, but I just want you to know God says everybody's going to survive. Just stick with it. Do you know? Follow this, and, and everybody's going to survive. Some guys try to escape. It's just, if they don't stay, you're not going to make it. But if they stay, everybody survives. So they, they do. They survive. They get to the island, and then Paul, who keeps on in everything that he does, giving God the glory rather than taking it for himself, becomes this immediate rock star. So he shows up, and they're still wet and cold. They're building a fire with the islanders there. And as they're doing this, he gets bitten by the snake. Oh, my gosh, terrible murderer. Let's watch him die. So they all sit around and watch him. Nothing happens. Oh, wait, he's a god. And Paul, I can just picture him just you kind know, of the SMH rolling his eyes. You know, I'm like, come on. Let, let me tell you about a real god. And using this illustration of I I should be dead right now. Mm-hmm. Everything that you know is I got I have this venom. I should be dead. But I'm not. Let me tell you how this works in a spiritual sense. Jesus took the death that I already deserve. I should be dead. I was dead in my sins. I'm doomed for hell, except for he took my death from me. So this constant focus of of Paul on the mission of the gospel comes because he has a recognition of reality. He understands in a way that that he never could when he was just the passionate, zealous, religious guy, the reality of the person of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that impact on him, and this is what we see with every, every Christ follower that, that we see in the book of Acts, same thing. I've been so impacted by the grace of God that everything else in the world just seems kind of pale and small and... and like like limp lettuce compared to this you know it's like uh, everything I thought was awesome that I got the most pleasure from and I couldn't figure out why I had so much dissatisfaction and discontent in my life because it was never meant to satisfy me and I found the thing and the thing is not my churchiness it's not that you know I found Jesus so now I don't get I don't you know I don't suffer when I get bit by a snake that wasn't the point the point was to, to confirm the gospel for these folks who, who didn't have another way of seeing it but the impact of God's grace on their lives was so heavy so big that it just dwarfs it, it, it eclipses anything else that comes up in, in life so now everything bad doesn't have the same kind of power to enslave me. And everything good takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new flavor because I can enjoy it. I can I can walk through this beautiful thing to the glory of God mm-hmm. rather than meeting my own selfish needs in the flesh. So, <clears throat> it's the difference between enjoying God's grace in a cup of coffee. Wow, I really enjoy this coffee. This is fantastic. I, you know, God gave me taste buds instead of just, you know, having me drink whatever. Um, and Praise God for it. Praise mm-hmm. God that he designed these beans and gave somebody the insight to say, I'm going to put water on this and, and boil it for a while, and this is going to taste good. See
0: what happens.
1: Uh, it's the difference between that and I'm sleepy. I need caffeine. Right. I, it's all about me. It, and so it it's not that you lose those lesser things, but the lesser things lose their power
0: mm. over
1: you. And so now... Everything becomes more meaningful, your uh, smaller changes. and greater at the same time. Yes, your perspective changes because I've been I've been rescued, I've been saved from this death that I deserve. Recognizing that I'm a sinner, and there's no way. Th- this is what changed Martin Luther, is, is the, the realization having gone from a life of fear, trying to trying to ensure that I am right with God, and never having that assurance because. I don't have I blown it. I, God's holy. I'm not. All I can see is the punishment and wrath that, that uh, you could say that that was portrayed through the church, but really it's the punishment and wrath that I rightly deserve. Right. It's, it's really well, yeah, what I did.
0: Yes, you have blown it. We've all blown
1: right? it. <laughs> and so, in reading the New Testament and, and getting uh, Romans one seventeen, seeing Galatians, reading Paul's stuff, it's like, wait a minute. The church isn't the key to this. Mm-hmm. Now, the church is absolutely commanded, but not in the same way that, that they might have thought of it then or often the way we think of it now. The church is the body of believers. And so when I love Christ, I love his family, and I want to be with other believers. That's not something I do on my checklist to try and earn points with God. It's why would I want anything else? How could I even imagine not being with God's people? So Luther's like, Christ died to cover everything, not so I can buy an indulgence from the church, not so I can earn this. that's exactly the same thing that that Paul recognized when he encountered Christ, having been zealously pursuing the law with every fiber of his being, even to the point of persecuting the church because he thought they were uh, heretics and apostates. And so Paul then, encountering Christ, realizes, I can't. Ever be good enough mm-hmm. all of my best things are like garbage, like dumb i can't I can't even begin to try to to impress God and that's okay because this same God, without being impressed not by any acts of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy, reached down into time, took on flesh, and became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. He did it all. Apart from my even seeking it or wanting it, he did it all. And then he reached in and opened my eyes and allowed me to see this and gave me the the, the grace to repent, to turn from my way to his way. And for the rest of his time, for the rest of his life, Paul just can't see life any other way. Whatever junk happens, and of course, it's not like, you know, he stopped being human all, all right. of a sudden he had some some super soldier serum that everything's comic books. and so it, it, it I don't just get that reference <laughs> uh and, and he magically has these superpowers so he never has temptation anymore right. that's not
0: I does that fear or whatever right
1: so he, he's in some sticky situation he goes through all the same emotions everybody else would go through but he's already tasted of this divine wonder and so now the rest of it's like Okay. It,
0: Small potato. It can
1: happen. It just doesn't weigh as much mm-hmm. as the grace of God. And so once he really grasped that, it changed everything. And, and I guess that's really what, what we need to be seeing as Christ followers today is is we need to... Just like Paul did, we need to grasp the gravity of God's grace. We need to to, to get just how big and wide and deep and heavy, and, and we see that even in Paul's prayers for the churches, he'll, he'll write things like that. It, it's my my prayer for you that you will grasp how how deep and wide, how great and magnificent and marvelous this grace is, because that is what will ultimately change us, and then. We don't go on a mission trip so that we can impress God, right. you know, so we're checking off our box and we can be more spiritual or we can look the part to somebody else. We don't even care about that anymore. It's He died for me. How can I do anything else but live for Him? If God offered this grace to me in my sin, how can I not tell everybody else who's dying in their sin or is dead in their sin that here's the here's the answer, here's the hope. And and my, our motivation changes because, like you said before, perspective—you well, see it differently.
0: And is it when it, when you break it down like that? I'm sorry. sorry, is it really just that simple? Because if if you if me and my pea-sized brain. Uh, sits down and thinks about the the gravity of that and the reality of that. It's it's almost too much for me to fully comprehend right. God's grace. Yeah. I I can't comprehend all of that.
1: That's why he tells us his ways are higher than ours. So we're not going to be able to fully. How God.
0: how can I then, being you know stupid little me, narrow hone in on that and and talk about it and accept that yeah. reality? Within the confines of my own mind, when it's when it's just so much greater, yeah than because all, the mystery has been grasp. revealed
1: to us now in Christ. So the things that that in the Old Testament, people really couldn't grasp. they were trying and the I in still the, pro, the prophets wanted to know what we know. The angels longed to look into these things. And so in the keeping of the law, it pointed us forward. It, it pointed us toward that that door, that gate that is Christ. But in the person of Christ, all of the mysteries of the scriptures, all of what God has been trying to tell us, now becomes revealed. It's opened up to us because we actually see God put on flesh. Hmm. So he comes, I can't comprehend... God as right. a concept—that's just—it's too big. So see, I, I see, I'm talking like about like Charlton Heston
0: talking to a bush. Right. That's you know. The...
1: And, and so God, even in the Old Testament, would would use these theophanies, these appearances of Himself, these manifestations, so that we could see what we could not otherwise see. So right. we could comprehend in a small way, in a representative way, what we could not comprehend in its fullness. So when Christ comes, when the Son of God puts on flesh already eternally existing with god and says i'm going to set aside the cool parts of being god if i can say that to be very very theological if i, I i'm going to i'm going to not it's cling not even to humbling my,
0: yourself it's just
1: I, yeah, when you're god I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, i'm going to i'm going to submit myself to this and I'm going to go down and put on flesh. <laughs>
0: Phenomenal cosmic powers, anybody <laughs> living. Space.
1: Well, absolutely. I'm going to take on the right. limitations of humanity right. while not losing full divinity, full deity. Uh, again, tough to comprehend. What I do understand is there was a person in time, in space, who walked this earth, mm-hmm. who actually is God, mm-hmm. and yet walked the same as we do, but without sin. And having no sin of his own, while I was not even seeking him. God demonstrated his love through him in him dying in my place. So as I begin to get that, I don't need to understand everything that God's doing on his side of the curtain to understand that. I was created for a purpose by this creator who created everything. Every time I see a sunset or a, a leaf on, on a tree or I contemplate the seasons and the stars, it should point me to the direction of there is a great creator. Mm-hmm. There is something so much bigger, so much other, so so, so other and beyond and, and different. And then I recognize through scripture, he created me on purpose. He decided you're going to be born at this time. You're going to be born this gender. And this
0: is literally everything that's going to happen in your life. Before you even take your first breath. He
1: planned this. And he planned it so that I could be with him and give him glory. And yet everything in my existence of my own, in my own flesh, is doing things my way Mm -hmm. instead of his way. There's no reason for me to continue to exist. The only, the best I could possibly hope for is non-existence. That God would just end me and it would be over. But what I and actually then you're deserve, just nothing. Right, nothingness I mean, would be and better. That's, and
0: that's even a hard. That would be concept. better than I deserve
1: because what right. I actually deserve, because if I'm doing things my way when I was created to do things His way, I'm a rebel against the King. I deserve damnation. I deserve judgment and punishment. That. Idea, the level of punishment that is deserved by even the smallest amount of sin, of sin is that's a mind blowing thing. That's bigger than what we can really grasp. But then to know that I am a criminal, I am God's enemy, and He chose for His enemy to order my life in such a way as to bring me to a place where I would see and understand and receive Christ. And Christ died for me. I don't know how anything else in life can possibly get onto that radar screen again because right. that's just too it's right. that's so big so heavy so important so majestic and and benevolent and merciful that everything else either fits within that as something that that supports and, and furthers that or if it's counter to that it is it's like Darkness in the presence of light—it just—it can't exist. It has to, to to go away. So all of the things that that were so important—making money, being healthy, you know, living a long life, having a good reputation, uh, not looking like a dork when I get dressed—you know—all the all the things that can be so super important to me. Uh, losing my hair, you know, as a as a you know as a person. When I was a a young person, a teenager, I had a lot of hair, right? And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get rid of my hair, so I don't have to deal with this anymore in my arrogance. Um, But God humbles us through things like that. Until you really grasp how big he is and how small we are and how great his grace must be, who cares about anything else? I no longer care about the car that I drive or the house that I live in or, or any of these things I can't now. I say that aspirationally because right. I I still in my flesh get right. caught up in all of the same foolishness I did before, and which only highlights his grace. The fact that his grace is still bigger than that when I am so much smaller and more petty than I ever even imagined, it, it's really astonishing. And so that's right. what that's what drives the book of Acts. It's what drives Paul, and it really is what drives us today as we're living out Acts 29, which is next week's sermon, as we are are working through and living through this, it's this gravity of God's grace eclipsing every other thing that moves us forward and and drives us into his arms.
0: We'll stop there uh, just because I feel like we're never on time and we have a chance to be today um, so if you guys have any questions or comments feel free to email us at somethingreal at uh, leave us a message on facebook or youtube or a voicemail at two six nine seven five rlcc and done. we will get back to you i don't know the actual numbers but i can i can read letters uh, <laughs> and you have any closing thoughts
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Besides, that won't take 45. (laughs) The the, the nature of the cliffhanger is you want to come back. So I hope folks want to come back and hear more about what what God is doing today.
0: Tune in Sunday uh, on Facebook and YouTube, hopefully YouTube, uh, at 1004-ish. And we will see you then. Thanks for listening.